Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. Today, we get a glimpse of what we all long for, the world at peace. In fact, there are coming 1,000 years of peace. If you can, turn in your Bible to the book of Revelation, chapter 20, as John continues his series on the book of Revelation with his message, The Millennium. We're going to be thinking today about a period of time that will one day come upon this earth where there will be unprecedented peace, where there will be unparalleled prosperity, and it is known as the millennium. Now, most of us have heard the word millennium. You may not know what it means, but you've heard that word. That English word comes from two Latin words, and when you put those words together, it literally means a thousand years. And so the Bible teaches that there's coming a thousand-year period on this earth when Jesus Christ will rule and when Jesus Christ will reign. I want to remind you today that when God made this earth, He made it perfect. In fact, after He had finished making everything, the last verse in Genesis chapter 1 says that God saw everything that He had made and God saw that it was perfect. God made a sinless, perfect, peaceful world. But as you know, not long after the creation happened, sin entered the world, and when sin entered the world, everything got messed up. Because when sin came along, it brought with it division, first of all, separation from God and division with other people. It also brought with it disease. God never intended for our bodies to get sick. And ultimately, sin brought death. It was never part of God's plan for human beings to die. He intended for Adam and Eve and the rest of us to live forever in a perfect world. But sin messed all of that up. And you don't have to think very hard to think about all the bad things that have come in this world because of sin. Think about the thousands of wars that have taken place. Think about all the earthquakes that have taken place. Think about the famines that have taken place. None of that was God's plan for this world. And even in the day in which we're living, think about the fires that have wreaked havoc in so much of the western part of the United States in recent days and weeks. And if that's not enough, think about the virus that has affected the entire world. And so none of this was part of God's perfect plan. It's all a result of sin. And when we think about all the things that are happening in the world, all the things that have happened in the world, we naturally ask this question, what's going to happen next? And we ask this question, what could possibly come upon this earth now? Well, friend, let me say to you one, one thing that's going to come upon this earth one day, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth, and when he does, there'll be no more of these sicknesses and diseases. There'll be perfect peace, and we will live in a perfect world. Let me give you a verse to write down. In Job chapter 19 and verse 25, Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives, and his feet shall stand at last on the earth. And I think those two words, at last, may be the key. When the feet of Jesus stand on this earth again, the earth itself will say, at last. 
At last, things are back how they are supposed to be because Jesus Christ has come back to this earth. And so if you'll open your Bibles this morning to the book of Revelation, I want us to think about this thousand-year period known as the millennium. And I want us to ask ourselves this question, what is it that will make this millennium, this, these thousand years, so absolutely wonderful? And the first thing that I would say is that during this time, Jesus Christ will be crowned. He will be crowned as King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, he's already that, but he'll be crowned that. Now, let's go back to Revelation chapter 11, and in verse number 15, this is an interesting verse. Revelation eleven fifteen says, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And so all the nations of the world during the millennium will be under the reign of Jesus. The United States, Canada, Mexico, Iran, Iraq, all the nations, Israel certainly, China, Russia, all the nations in the world will now belong to Jesus and he will rule with a rod of iron. Now go to chapter 19. We looked at this verse last week, but in verse number 12, this descriptive verse of Jesus and what he will look like during the millennium. John has this vision and he says, his eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. And so Jesus Christ during the millennium will be crowned. Let me give you two verses to jot down in your notes that we hear most often at Christmas, but it will apply to the millennium. The Bible says, chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 of Isaiah, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so the first thing that will make the millennium such a special time is that Jesus Christ will be in control. He will be crowned as King of kings and Lord of lords. And it reminds me that True peace, we, everybody wants peace in the land, peace in the world, but true peace doesn't come because they signed a peace agreement or a peace treaty in the Middle East. True peace doesn't come from some decision that was made in Austin or Washington, D.C. True peace comes and will come when Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, is on this earth ruling and reigning, and that's exactly what will happen during the millennium. So the first thing that will make it so great, Jesus will be crowned. The second thing that will make the millennium so special, and I think perhaps one of the reasons the devil doesn't even want us to look at this scripture this morning, is that during these years, Satan will be bound. Satan will be bound. Now, we know that the devil's not bound today. In 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse 8, it says that our adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so today, the devil is trying to destroy and he is trying to devour us. But there's coming a day when Satan himself 
will be bound. Revelation chapter 20, and look in verse number 1. John said, then I saw an angel coming down from heaven. We don't know who this angel is. Maybe Michael, maybe Gabriel, or maybe some angel that uh, we don't even know the name of. But he said, then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal on him, so that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And so, think about what the Bible is saying. At the beginning of this thousand-year period, after Jesus is back on the earth, He is crowned King of kings, Lord of lords. All the nations of the world are under His control. Satan will be chained, and Satan will be thrown into a bottomless pit, and he'll be there for a thousand years. Now, this bottomless pit is something that we studied earlier, many, many months ago, as we've worked our way through the book of Revelation. But turn back this morning to chapter number 9, and I'm not going to get into the whole study at all, but I want to just draw your attention to four verses here that will help us to understand what this bottomless pit is. It is sometimes called the shaft. It is sometimes called the abyss. It is the place, even today, where many demons have been incarcerated, waiting their final sentence to hell. And so there are demons in the, the, sh in the shaft and in the abyss right now. Revelation 9, 1. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. Now, who is this star? Well, it's a fallen angel. It may be a reference to Satan himself maybe some other angel, but it's a demonic person because now he has the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. And so this, this one who's over the pit is fallen from heaven, so that's what tells us he's wicked, and now he has control of this pit, and it talks about like the smoke of a great furnace, so there's smoke coming out of this pit. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth has power. And so here come locusts out of the pit, smoke out of the pit. It's a nasty, awful, horrible thing. And in verse number 11 we read, and they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. So whether this is Satan himself or a high-ranking demon, this is the one over the pit uh, even today, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon, which means destruction or destroyer. And yet the Scripture says that there's coming a day when Satan himself will be cast into this abyss for a thousand years. Now, as I was preparing this message and I was really starting to think about what the Bible is saying, there's coming a time when the devil will be in this abyss for a thousand years. And I thought about a principle that Jesus taught us in the Gospels. In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 12, Jesus said, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself 
will be exalted. Now, what did Satan do that got him kicked out of heaven? Before he was Satan, he was an angel. His, he was beautiful. His name was Lucifer. What, what got him kicked out of heaven? I'll tell you what got him kicked out. He exalted himself. He wanted to be worshipped as God. Here was Lucifer in heaven watching all the angels bow down and worship God. And Satan, or Lucifer, thought, I want that worship for myself. Let me give you some verses to write down. In Isaiah chapter 14, verses 13 through 15, here's what Lucifer said in heaven that got him kicked out of heaven. He said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. That's always been what Lucifer wanted, what the Antichrist will want, and now, and certainly what Satan wants. He wants to be worshipped as God. Yet, the Bible says, you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. And so God said to Lucifer at the time, because you have exalted yourself, because you have tried to lift yourself up and demand to be worshipped, you are now going to be humbled. He was cast out of heaven, cast to the earth. That's a pretty long way from heaven to earth. God humbled him. But during the, this part of the millennium, he will be gone, taken down even lower into the shaft, into the abyss, into the bottomless pit. Contrast in your mind Jesus to Satan. Jesus, the Bible says, humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. And what did God do in response to that? God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Jesus humbled himself and God exalted him. What did the devil do? God, he exalted himself and what did God do? God in turn has humbled him and he will humble him further during the millennium. He will be in a bottomless pit. Now you still listen say. Amen. I think one of the things that this gives us, it gives us an insight not only into Satan's future, but it gives us an insight into Satan's psyche right here and right now. How would you feel if you knew that in your future was a thousand years, we, you know, we talk about a millennia, a thousand years, like, well, you know, it's no big deal. It's quite a big deal. Uh, the, the millennium will last four times longer than America's been a nation. A thousand years is a long time. How would you feel if you knew that in your future there was a thousand years in the bottomless pit, smoke, locusts, all the punishment there, and then after you are released for a short time, then you're sentenced to the lake of fire forever? How would you feel? Well, I'll tell you how you would feel. You would feel afraid. You would feel intimidated. You would be overwhelmed by that. You, you, you would, that, that would be a paralyzing fear for anybody if they thought, you know, that was in their future. In Satan's case, he knows that's in his future. So what does he do to believers today? He tries to inflict on us the same fear that he has. Anytime you have a feeling of fear or dread or heaviness or oppression that comes over you, that is coming from the devil and he's putting that on you because that's what he's living with. Because he knows that in his future, down he goes and then into the lake of fire. And so what does a, what's the most dangerous animal? 
a wounded animal. An animal that is backed in a corner is the most dangerous animal. He'll come out and bite. Well, what is Satan? He is like an animal backed in a corner, and he knows that his future is a bottomless pit and a lake of fire, and it scares him. And so as a result of that, what does he do? He tries to inflict on us the same fear and intimidation that he lives with every day. And so the next time the devil comes to you and puts a fearful thought in your mind, an oppressive thought in your brain, or something that would weigh you down and, 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 and wear you down and beat you down, you remind Satan that greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world, and that his future is in a bottomless pit in a lake of fire, and your future is in heaven with God forever. And so what we have to do in a spiritual battle is fight with spiritual weapons. And our weapons are what? Prayer, certainly, but the Word of God and to remind the devil not only of our future, but of his and what is coming for him. So what's going to make the millennium so wonderful? Jesus will be crowned. Satan will be bound. And then think about the third thing. Peace, joy, and new life will abound. I thought, man, the millennium is going to be so good, even my points rhyme. Jesus is crowned, the devil is bound, and peace and joy and new life will abound. Now, let's go back to Revelation chapter 20 and look in verse number 4. John's having this vision now of the millennium. And, he, and remember, the millennium will start when Jesus Christ comes back at the battle of Armageddon. He will have left heaven on that white horse. We will be following him on our white horses a sword will come out of his mouth, which is the Word of God. He'll destroy those in the Valley of Megiddo who have followed the Antichrist. And then Jesus will go from Megiddo in northern Israel down south to Jerusalem, 60 miles. And I imagine it. I take those horses in Revelation chapter 19 to be literal. Maybe they're figurative. I take them to be literal. And that Jesus will then ride and we will follow him on a 60-mile victory ride to Jerusalem. The Bible says that when Jesus gets to the city of Jerusalem, before he goes into the city, his feet, Zechariah 14, 4, will stand on the Mount of Olives. And when his feet stand on the Mount of Olives, that mountain is going to split in two. And some amazing things will happen when that happens. Jesus will then enter the city of Jerusalem. And for a thousand years from Jerusalem, Jesus will rule the world. There will finally be peace in the Middle East, and there'll be peace everywhere else because Jesus will be ruling and Jesus will be reigning. Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, John said, I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. When he talks about the rest of the dead, he's talking about the unsaved dead. We know that when people who are unsaved die today, they go to a place called Hades. Ultimately, they'll go to hell, but their bodies will remain buried until after the millennium. And then at the end of verse 5, he picks up talking about not that, but about the first resurrection. And he said, this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. For they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And so during this millennium, who will be on the earth with Jesus? Who will be ruling and reigning with him? Well, first, those who got saved during the tribulation... And survive. They were not killed by the Antichrist. They'll be there. Then 
those who got saved during the tribulation and they were executed, beheaded, lost their lives. They'll be resurrected. They'll be there. Then those of us who have been saved, who at the rapture of the church will have been resurrected, uh, will be there. And then the Old Testament saints, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, David, Daniel, those in the Old Testament, they're, they're in heaven with God today, their spirits and souls, but their bodies will be resurrected at the second coming of Jesus Christ. They will be there. And so in the millennium, it's going to be all the people of God from all the ages, and it's going to be an absolutely amazing thing. Now, as we think about the millennium, and not only the political and geographical, but about the cha- other changes that will take place on the earth. Go to the book of Isaiah, if you would. And in chapter number two, I want to show you a verse, if I can, about some of the changes that will take place. In fact, we've got several verses to look at in Isaiah, but it's very interesting. In Isaiah chapter two and in verse four, we read that the earthly kingdoms will be changed. It's going to be different during the millennium. He shall judge between the nations, this is talking about Jesus, and rebuke many people. Now watch this. They shall beat their swords into plows or into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So during the millennium, no war, no fighting, no conflict. What does it say? It says they shall beat their swords into plows. So instead of swords, there'll be plows. People will work, but people won't war. There will not be any war. If you go to the United Nations today in New York, in the garden section of the UN, you will find a sculpture of a man with a hammer in his hand. And with that hammer, he is beating a sword and he is turning that sword into a plow that was donated to the UN with the spirit of the purpose of the United Nations is to bring wars to an end. The purpose of the United Nation is to put an end to the sword. And yet, even though probably many people who go to the United Nations and see that regularly have no idea that that sculpture was taken from Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4, which says that during the millennium, they shall beat their shields into plows. And yet, as hard as they try, and as sincere as they must be, we would all have to acknowledge and they would have to acknowledge that the United Nations has not been able to bring war to an end. The United Nations has not brought peace to the earth. That's why I said earlier, the only one who can bring peace, true peace, will be the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. And there's a depiction of a sword being beaten into a plow. But when Jesus comes, it will literally happen and there will be no war. Do you desire peace in your life today? If so, do you know it is available to you right now? You can know Jesus as the Prince of Peace and experience peace here on earth right now. Maybe today you need to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Won't you pray with me now? Dear Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. Right now, I ask you to come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Please make me the person you created me to be. In your name I pray, amen. For those of you who have prayed to receive Christ as your Savior today, we would love to know about it and rejoice with you in your decision. Please share your decision with us by sending us an email to info at peacebybelieving.org or by giving us a call at 1-800-337-0111. 
1-800-337-0157. Again, that's 1-800-337-0157. We hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. You can find this message along with the other messages in John's Revelation series on our website, peacebybelieving.org, under the broadcast tab. To watch videos of John's series on the book of Revelation from the beginning, simply go to www.fbp.org forward slash revelation. Again, that's www.fbp.org forward slash revelation. If you would like to grow in your relationship with the Lord, we have some resources that we believe will help you. Simply look for the booklets tab on peacebybelieving.org. The booklet in the twinkling of an eye is a great companion study to go along with John's message today. We would love for you to keep up with us on social media. We invite you to like Peace by Believing Ministries on Facebook and follow at PBB underscore broadcast on Twitter. And don't forget to share and tell your family and friends about Peace by Believing. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond as he concludes his message on the millennium.